Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher, and welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast. We take a look at everything from what's up into the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks for imaging and visual work. And of course, at the end of each month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. And today we're talking about equipment, which seems to be everyone's favorite topic. So not that that's a bad thing, but that from what we've seen, you guys like talking shop. And, you know, I think any astronomer honestly likes to talk shop and about equipment. So today is nonetheless going to be no different. Um, today we're going to be talking about, uh, of course, the EQ-8R, which is our flagship uh, equatorial mount currently. We're always working on new things. Maybe one day we'll do a bigger mount. But the eq eight's already plenty big enough. Uh, but we're going to go into details about that if you're curious about them. And, of course... As with any of our episodes, these are live generally, uh, but they are also recorded. So if there's any time that you want to go back and watch an episode, or maybe you miss something, these are all pre these are all recorded. Go back anytime in our library and check out any episodes that we've done in the past. Um, for those of you who never joined us before, the What's Up webcast takes place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Again, they are uh, generally live episodes, so we have the chat up. We love hearing from you guys. And then they are recorded afterwards, so you can go back and watch them. For those of you who've joined us before, happy Friday. Welcome back. Hopefully you're um, enjoying the day so far and looking forward to the weekend ahead. Yes, weekend. Um, so anyway, we're going to get started. And if you have any questions, we will try to get to those at the end. If I see something relevant while we're on the particular topic, then we'll stop and do some discussions there. Uh, we do have some people watching the chat, uh, some of our moderators as well, that might be able to answer some questions um, if I'm not able to jump on them immediately as well. So let's get started. Uh, if you like what you do see here, uh, we're able to keep this going by you guys alone. So go ahead and subscribe. Uh, leave a like to one of the videos if you like it and then of course you know if you have any questions about it you can email us at info at skywatcherusa.com for anything related to the webcast uh, if you have any products questions go through support at skywatcherusa.com but uh, we're happy to have you here thanks for spending your friday morning with us so let's dig in so eq8r uh these have been out for i don't know after last year, it seems like everything's been a million years. Um, these have been out for a couple years at this point. And this is the evolution, of course, on top of the original EQ-8 that Skywatcher sold for many years. Uh, the EQ-8R kind of brings that up into more of the modern day era and what the more advanced imagers need uh, out of a mount these days. And not just imagers, but you know anybody who needs a heavy duty mount um, EQAR is here to serve that need. And we're going to go into the details about that uh, into substantial detail today. So uh, just some general stuff real quick. Now the mount head is 57 pounds. It's a chunk of gear. Um, tripod, the portable, portable pier, um, is 65 pounds. Uh, it is a lot to haul around the portable pier, um, but it if there is one thing that the portable pier is, it's solid. You can put a ton of stuff on the pier, but it is a lot of weight. 
to be bouncing around in the field with but if you're going to star parties you want to leave it set up in your backyard and maybe you don't want to pour a concrete pier the portable pier really does the trick um so it, it is quite a piece of equipment with that uh the eq8r does take uh 12 volt 3 amps to run so if you have a power supply do make sure that it, it has at least three amps when you're purchasing something for ac I highly recommend our 4 volt, I'm sorry, 12 amp, 12 volt, 4 amp AC power supply if you're going to run this off of AC. Um, so there's that recommendation, but we'll talk about uh, accessories later. And the latitude range for this is 10 degrees to 65 degrees without any strange modifications. Um, if you're going to make some kind of wedge or whatever to get it in low, low latitudes or higher latitudes, um, that might be something you'd have to look into but for most you're just using the standard mount as is you're looking at 10 degrees to 65 degrees um so the majority of where people live um you know i understand if you're on the equator things get difficult sorry um but for the majority of the world these mounts are usable of course now let's dig into a little bit more on the hardware uh specifications of the eq8s uh, these are 110 pound payload capacity mounts and my face is in the way. So I'm going to disappear really quick. Uh, oop, there we go. Uh, 110 pound payload capacity. So this thing is made to handle a massive variety of, uh, optical tubes that are on the market or multiple optical tubes. If you're going to be doing stuff, we do have some clients that are doing scientific work and they have, you know, multiple optics on this. So something to it can handle a ton of stuff you know c14s any big logical things that you've got laying around you could put that on um it is a d style saddle plate so any los mondi style dovetail can be handled on this uh it is belt drive unlike the original eq8 it has belt drive in both the right ascension and the declination the original eq8 only had belt drive on the right ascension declination just went right to, there was no belt on that uh, so we do have belt drive on the declination of the eq8rs uh, standard 42,000 plus object database that's pretty much the same with every mount that we produce um, with SynScan. it does have two side carry handles which makes it actually really convenient to mount uh, such a large mount i've used a fair amount of large capacity high capacity equatorials and some of them are easier to mount than others but this one's actually relatively convenient because of the handles which you can see one of them right here one of them's on the other side of the mount but that really does make it easy to take it and plop it on top of a tripod or a pier and they work quite well uh, it does have your standard st4 guide port it has a built-in usb-b for easy connection uh, just like the eq6r so if you're familiar with an eq6r you can run an EQ8R. It's actually the same motorboard inside as well, so it makes it really convenient to support them. Um, but yeah, all the same ports, all the same functions. Uh, it does have a built-in USB hub for improved cable management, which is excellent if you're going to be doing remote imaging and you don't want to have a bunch of cables hanging off. And it also has a snap port, so you can actually plug your DSLR uh, or mirrorless camera into it, and you can use the uh, hand controller as an intervalometer. And then the RA and DEC both have homing encoders on this, which also 
makes it a very nice remote or observatory class mount basically at that point you can if power ever goes out you can always turn the mount back on and it will go right back to the homing position and it can kind of take over from its last alignment um, without having to redo anything because it knows where the home part so it's a serious chunk of mount it is made to really handle you know a wide collection of hardware uh on the market and that's generally what you're going to be looking for if you're doing advanced imaging with large optical tubes. you need a mount that's going to be robust and i don't care who you buy it from there's a lot of excellent high capacity mounts on the market but you want to make sure that what you're getting for whatever your purpose is is rigid and able to handle that setup so let's take a little bit closer look uh inside the eq8s um so the drives, like I said earlier, um, we'll get to belt drive in a minute. Um, this mount right here uses stepper motors. And most of the equatorial mounts that Skywatcher actually sells have always used stepper motors. Stepper motors are nice because they have no internal gearbox. So if you have a servo motor, there's a lot of little tiny gears in there just like a watch. And... All of those gears have to mesh to one another. And every time you have a gear meshing with another one, you have the opportunity to have backlash come into play. With a stepper motor, there is no internal gearbox, which reduces the backlash right off the bat because there's no gears in the motor. The other advantage of it is you don't have any encoder wheels spinning around. Um, I've had a few friends that have had their mounts go haywire in the field because the little... Um, encoder disc that's on some of these servo motors has broken they're generally little plastic things and they break after a while with a stepper motor as the motor moves it's counting steps inside the motor so not only is it moving everything it act and has no internal gearbox but it also is keeping tabs on its position at the same time so it's kind of a two-for-one deal um, on that so these use stepper motors they have higher torque but they do require more power but it allows it to throw that system around a lot faster. Um, and like I said, there's no encoder wheels to break. Just less parts, less tiny parts to worry about um, when you're using a stepper motor, at least in the configuration that we are. Now, like I said earlier, we also have belt drive on these mounts. Uh, these are like a rubber Kevlar. I have one right here. Uh, I don't, this isn't an EQ8 belt. This is actually kind of small, but like an eq6 belt but these are just like the timing belts on you know a car they're they're rubber they really don't stretch very actually they there's like kevlar woven into this or fibrous material inside of there so you know these are not really made to stretch all that much they are made to stay put where you need them and just move those uh motors and gears around so they it actually reduces backlash further because again we're reducing gears so generally how a typical equatorial mount would work is you'd have your motor and then that has a spur gear on it and then you have your worm and that has a spur gear and then you might have a middle spur gear like our original eq6 had this it would have the uh, large spur on the motor it'd have a central spur to help reduce things and then it would have a smaller spur gear finally that moves the worm gear every time you have a gear mesh 
you have the opportunity to have backlash. So on our mounts, we've reduced that down to one point. And that is where the worm gear and the main gear, the main ring gears on this one, it just happens to be seven and a half to eight inches in diameter gearing. They're huge gears. Um, that is where the only backlash that can occur is between the two main gears of the mount. So if you know you have backlash, that's tend to, that tends to be where that's going to be. Now, our worm gears are not spring-loaded in this mount. They just float. They're hard-mounted. That's how they are. Um, how they are. So that's the uh, about the drives and stuff like that. Um, as I said earlier, the original EQ8 did not have belt drive in the declination. It kind of had this box that would hang out. Well, we've actually recessed it now. So the mo rather than the motor sticking out on the side, which actually affected the balance because you had the you had both motors on the left side of the side one of the sides of the mounts both motors were on one side so if you had an EQ8 and you had the clutch the RA clutch loose it would actually slowly uh fall to one side because it was naturally side heavy that's not the end of the world if you own an equator you know an EQ8 um there's enough torque and as long as you balance it uh, well with your setup it's not the end of the world but on the EQAR that was reevaluated and the motors are now actually recessed so rather than being on the side the deck motor sits below the worm block so the motors here then the belt comes up and then loops around the pulley that's on the worm and moves that around and that's the same thing with the right ascension it's no longer on the side it's tucked underneath there um, nice and clean so it's not side heavy right off the bat so an improvement from the original uh, version of that now mount connections i know as an astrophotographer everyone wants to know how to connect everything to a computer so we've made that as easy as humanly possible um, from our perspective so of course we have our typical hand controller port that's an rj45 connection um, we have a guide port, ST4 guide port, RJ12. Um, it's compatible with all the major guiders. Um, I know some of you want to use USB for guiding. That's an option too. Um, there's a side USB. Um, but the ST4 port is there if you want to do guiding with the serial cables. I think everything honestly should be serial connection or Ethernet or whatever. It was so much better. USBs are the bane of our existence. But that's what we got right now. Just a personal rant. Uh, USB-B. Um, so unlike the original EQ8, uh, it did not have a USB on the side of the mount. The new EQ8Rs do have that. I mean, all EQ8Rs have that. They have a USB-B 2.0 port on the side there. That allows for an easier connection directly to the PC. Um, you could use SynScan for Windows. Um, hopefully there'll be some other stuff coming out in the future where it'll take advantage of that uh, USB direct connection. Or you can do the, the old school way and just go through the hand controller. That works as well if you want to make a connection to your computer. That is how you do it. Again, if you are interested in EQ8s, any of the EQ8R series, it's no different than an EQ6. If you know how to run an EQ6R, or even an EQM35, you can run an EQ8R. It's exactly the same, it's just bigger. Um, so if you're used to how our mounts do things, it's a very easy transition. 
Um, I'm sure some of you saw Trevor from Astro Backyard. He got one of the early EQ8Rs. Um, he stepped up from the EQ6R and he originally had an AG5. That transition was pretty smooth because your workflow is exactly the same using the SIN scan. It's no different on any of our mounts. Uh, you may need to check the prolific drivers, uh, you know, on your on your PC if you're going to be doing that connection. Um, but you know that's standard with any kind of USB connection. Uh, there's a question there: Is the mount head diameter the same as the EQ6? No, the EQ8 is substantially bigger than the six in every way. Um, if you go to SkywatcherUSA.com under support, you can look up the manual. At the back of the manual for the EQ8R. It gives you all the measurements and specifications on the size of the mount head if you're trying to, you know, adapt it or you want to see how big it is. But it is a big difference between this and an EQ6. So about everything. I mean, the diameter of the mount, the gears are bigger. Everything has to be bigger for a mount to be able to hold 110 pounds. Uh, Built-in hubs. So this is something that, this was actually the first mount from Skywatcher to have a built-in USB hub. A lot of the high-end mounts have this. Uh, this is for improved cable management. So we've all been imaging before and we've had, you know, our camera plugged in and we've had a motor focuser and a filter wheel and a guide camera. And maybe you've got, you know, uh, Whatever, you know, we have tons of stuff on these uh, mounts, telescopes. And at the end of the day, it looks like a flying spaghetti monster of cables. There's crap everywhere. And I know a lot of people have issues with cable management. Cable management is very, very important, not just for remote imaging, but if you have cables that are just laying everywhere and they're not managed well, like pinned against the tube or wrapped up nicely, or what have you, um, if you have a lot of cables hanging off your telescope, that affects balance. And if you're trying to image effectively, you can get what's called cable drag. So in one position, the telescope's pointing fine. Maybe your guiding looks great. But if you slew over here, maybe that's different. Maybe you get a jump as a cable moves across the leg and shifts it a little bit. Um, cable drag and cables are something that you really have to take into a consideration when you're doing advanced imaging because there's a lot of them you know and i think a basic setup you know if you've got a camera that's got two cables coming off of it you got a usb and maybe you have the cooler the power cable for the camera and you have your guide camera possibly so that's got a usb at least and then you have an st4 cables so that's two more cables and maybe you have a filter wheel that's got a USB and maybe you have a motor focuser that at least has a USB or an ethernet or some kind of connection to run it. And then it might even have a power cable. So at that point, you know, we're talking two, four, six, you know, upwards of seven or eight individual cables running all around your mount. And then we haven't even talked about the dew heater or maybe you have a piggyback telescope with another camera on it. Like, so there's a lot of stuff that's actually going on on your mount. Every single one of those needs to be addressed so it's nice and clean and not hanging around. And it doesn't matter if you're in a remote observatory or if you're in your backyard. 
if you're doing remote imaging where you're not there, then cable management becomes an even more important thing to address because you're not there. So if you're not there and a cable gets snagged on a bolt or hanging somewhere, you could shred that cable apart. You might damage some things. So cable management's extremely important. Now, modern mounts need to be able to address this issue. So on the EQ8, we've addressed that. And this is one of the big things about the EQ8Rs in comparison to the original EQ8 is it has this built-in USB hub. And it also built-in USB hub, serial, and power. Multiple things going through the mount. This helps reduce cable drag and keeps you a cleaner system. Um, not just, I have remote imaging, that's a big thing, but even in your backyard, it's something that you need to uh, maintain, especially as things become more autonomous. Like, you're going to just program and let it run all night while you go to sleep. You need to make sure that you're not going to come back outside in the morning to your telescope having four cables sheared off the back of it or something crazy. So... Cable management is one of the most important things when you're doing imaging. So the main ports are actually mounted behind the right ascension gear. So we have the gear and then there's the block um, that the main shaft of the right ascension sits inside. There is a strip, which you can see right here at the very back end of the right ascension is all of your access ports. This is what you would where you would plug in whatever you're doing to lead up to the saddle uh, ports that are up on right below the saddle plate. So you plug your AC power in there, you plug your USB in there, and uh, this is USB 3.0, and I wanna make some notes about this in a second. Um, USB 3.0 compatible, and then you have three 2.1 millimeter power ports up at the top of the saddle there. And on the back of the saddle, you actually have your aux one, two, and three serial cables if you ever gonna use them, but they're there. Um, and that's a four pin, six pin, and eight pin serial connectors uh, right there. So we kind of have stuff, even if you're not gonna use it, we have ports there to handle a lot of accessories that are on the market. So the USB in this is, I wanna make a note of this, is 3.0 compatible. It's This is not a powered hub, however. So you can use 3.0, but if you're going to use 3.0 and you're expecting high speed, you're going to need some kind of booster or powered hub somewhere in the chain. 3.0 USB was not really intended to be used the way we're using it. So it's really just made for high, high speed data transfers over short distances, like a external hard drive or, you know, a camera but it's only made to run a couple feet because it takes a fair amount of power for 3.0 to work effectively in comparison to like 2.0. So the hub inside of here, there is several feet of cable inside of the EQ8 because you have to. As the mount moves around and flips all over the place, you need to make sure there's enough cable that's gonna be able to move with the mount and not snap when it's inside. So. If you're going to use a 3.0 system on this and you want 3.0, it's got to be with some kind of powered uh, booster or something in the USB chain to route it from the camera or whatever it is through the USB connection on the saddle and out the back to your computer. 
we're talking probably a total you know if you count the usb that comes with ewo or whatever talking probably you know two feet of usb for the camera unless you can get a short one then every time you make a connection to the usb another usb it drops um a couple feet inside the mount another connection outside the back and then to your computer that's a quite a distance for 3.0 to work so it's 3.0 compatible but if you're gonna use it you need to have some kind of power booster in the chain just an fyi 2.0 shouldn't be as big of a deal you don't have to worry so much about that the aux power cables like i said they're serial cables you have four pin six pin eight pin um those are on the back of the saddle you know motor focusers there's a wide a variety of things that you can use not so much anymore but they're still there um, if you need them and then of course we have the 2.1 millimeter power ports it's about a five amp max um, for this so what i like to do when i'm at home with my eq8 is i have like a celestron or something five amp ac adapter plugged into the back power port here and then that gives me a max of five amps i can run up top motor focuser filter wheel if your filter wheel runs on its own power whatever um, you can, you know, your camera's tech cooling. You can run all of that off of those ports. Nice, clean, and easy. Uh, so you don't have a bunch of power cables hanging off there, but it is about a five amp max. So keep an eye on that. That's enough power to run most things. You're only really going to get into trouble with, you know, amperage there is uh, if you're going to be using something like, you know, a power box up top. And you want to route the power through there those power boxes are very finicky on how much power they can route through or if you're going to be using something like a dew heater dew heaters take a lot of amperage to run and they generally soak up a lot of the amperage capability really quick so something to keep in mind on there and I, as i mentioned before the usb 3.0 is compatible but it's not powered again i want to make this has come up multiple times um so you will need additional power in the usb chain if you're going to use 3.0 devices just a heads up now the next part we actually have two variations of the eq8r there's the r and then there's the rh and we do get questions of why should I buy an RH? Is it really worth buying one? And what do I get out of it? So if you're not familiar with the EQA Rs, uh, the RH model is the high res version. Um, it's the same thing as the EQ8, except the right ascension has an on axis encoder. This encoder is a Renshaw 11.8 million tick incremental encoder. And the actual encoder ticks are mounted directly to the right ascension shaft. Now, what do I get out of this? This is the big question because it's actually substantially more expensive to get an on-axis encoder, uh, a mount with on-axis encoders. And that's pretty much true for everyone. Software BISC, um, astrophysics. If you ever look at mounts like that, and they have a encoder package to go with it it's a couple thousand dollars extra and that's because these Renshaw encoders they're some of the best in the world are expensive 
So by the time we put that in there and do everything to it, it adds quite a bit of cost to any mount. Doesn't matter who you buy it from. The wrench on coders are phenomenal encoders, but you pay for them. So big thing is, number one, it eliminates periodic error. Number two, it removes backlash. And number three, it keeps tabs on the rate of turn on the mount. Uh, as a friend of mine who's probably watching, uh, it's kind of like when you set your car uh, to cruise control. You know when you go up and down a hill and as you're going up the hill and cruise control is on, your car starts to slow down. So then that starts to speed up to maintain that speed. An on-axis encoder is very much like that. It's keeping count of each encoder, but it knows the time that actually it separates between each tick. And if it notices that the rate of change between each tick is faster or slower, it tells the motors to make some corrections. The right, and this particular one, it's just the right ascension because that's the one that's doing all the work. Um, it's going to tell it to kind of keep up or slow down or do whatever it needs to do to, to address that. So if you have a mount that doesn't have on-axis encoders, it's basically reading the motor position that's attached to the worm gear. So it's, it's reading how the worm is moving, but it's not accounting for any play that would be in the teeth between the worm gear and the main ring gear. This type of mount doesn't care about that because it's reading the actual ticks. It's not caring about any periodic error between the worm. It'll, it'll pays attention to know that, oh, I'm moving too quick, I'm moving too slow, and it knows to address that. So it's quite a phenomenal piece of kit. But like I said, it's several thousand dollars more to have the RH model. Um, the most public person that I'm aware of who owns an RH would be Dylan O'Donnell um, uh, out in Australia. So you can go watch his videos and see what he thinks about that. Uh, Trevor here in the North America, he has a standard version. Um, another one, if you ever want to see what they're doing, is uh, named Simon Tang, um, the stupid astronomer is uh, his thing. He uses an EQ8RH. Um, but who is this made for and why should I spend extra money? I would say for most people who are interested in EQAR, don't need the RH. The RH is really for long focal length optics. When you're trying to squeeze every ounce of performance out of a system, you need very accurate capabilities as far as tracking. It tracks well, even on a standard version, but you wanna pull every ounce of, that you can out of that to make the guiding smoother. There's already a lot of inherent issues that start to happen when you get to longer and longer focal lengths. Flexure, guiding becomes a pain, seeing conditions greatly affect everything. So being able to eliminate that periodic error and backlash is just one less thing you have to worry about. So uh, this one right here would be something for about 2000 millimeter uh, focal lengths and longer. Of course, if you have something uh, shorter, I'm sure it would still be helpful, but odds are your seeing conditions and such aren't going to be able to support something like this. Um, so I would say for anybody who's generally interested in an EQA-R, 
really look at what your intentions are to use for a mount like this. Um, if you're planning on putting a C11, Plane Wave 12 and a half, Plane Wave 14, Celestron C14, you know, any of the Mead, LX, whatevers, uh, there's a variety of them. Any major Cassegrain kind of a system or just something big, an RH might be something you want to consider. And it might be beneficial for a system like that. But if you're using like a refractor, short refractors, you know, probably most modern refractors are probably 1200 millimeters and less. It's probably not that big of a deal for you to spend that extra coin on it. But, you know, each their own. You can do whatever you want. We're just happy that you're here. So let's talk about using an EQ8. Like I said before, it's 110 pound payload capacity, which makes it compatible with almost every user-friendly telescope tube on the market. Um, visual, you could probably put up to an eight inch refractor, depending on how long it is. You know, I have customers who have 16 inch Schmidt-Cassegrains and uh, Richie Cretions on these. Um, Large Newtonians you could put on this. Again, it depends on how long the tube is going to be. For imaging, you know, I would probably say keep the system under 90 pounds for the best rigidity. Uh, but the biggest thing you want to do, as with any mount, is you want to keep an eye on how long the telescope is. You know, if it's a very, very long system, you're going to have a moment arm that the mount's going to have to deal with. You know, big, long refractors cameras hang way off the end there Newtonians is the same way so just keep an eye on it uh, the picture that you see here was when we did our you know, little release party um, out at Star Arizona a couple years ago and to demo the mount we put on their 12 and a half inch uh, Hyperion which is a can't even think of the optical design at this point. so that's a hammer win or harmer win design so it looks a lot like a, a Richie kind of a setup, uh, just a big style Cassegrain essentially. But these tubes are pretty heavy. It was a 75 pound telescope tube up top there. And of course we were only using it visually, but it held it pretty well actually. So you could image with this kind of combination. So you know, by the time we had a telescope like this with a camera on it, you probably got no AG on it. You know, you're pushing... 80 85 pounds somewhere in there not a big deal uh but it'd be a good observatory setup for that but the eq8s can definitely handle large imaging payloads like very solidly they're great observatory uh computer connection um you can do this in two ways you can use the usb b port that's on the side panel of the mount there are ASCOM drivers if you need to connect um, to like EQ mod, or you could use our SynScan Pro app for Windows. Uh, I'm sorry, I flipped that around. There's the hand controller, which does have USB-B, and then you could use ASCOM. And through that method at the moment, you can connect to a lot of third-party, um, you know, Stellarium, SkyX, which we really like to use on this mount. A um, wide variety of softwares can be used with, the hand controller the built-in usb are a little bit more limited at the moment uh, you can use our sin pro app for windows 
no problem. You go right there. Uh, EQ mod is also very popular. And then hopefully in the future, we'll have more mounts or mounts, uh, more softwares that can take advantage of the USB direct capabilities. But for now, those would be the two uh, softwares that you can use the USB direct. And then you can always channel the commands to whatever the third party software that you want to use is at that point. So that's how you would make the computer connections for these. Now, EQ8 comes with a couple, doesn't come with, it has a few optional accessories. It does not have a polar scope. Um, it does have a uh, polar align assist in the alignment software on board. You would generally do like a one star, or a couple star alignment. Then you can go back and basically do an alignment, uh, refine the polar alignment. Works very well, but if you want a polar scope, there is a polar scope option. Um, I've had several people put QHY pole masters on this. Uh, that works really well. There's just get the regular EQ8 you know, pole master mount. Pops right on the front there. We have the SynScan GPS. If you're taking this into the field, which I have a friend who's probably watching who has one. He takes it into the field all the time. Um, this can be helpful. Uh, we have 22 pound counterweights for these. I would like to mention that this is the only weight that we make for this. It is a larger diameter counterweight uh, bar in comparison to the EQ6. It's like twice the size in diameter there. But if you need lighter weights and you want something like a 7 pound or an 11 pound or whatever, uh, the Los Mondi counterweights fit the shaft as well. So you can use those weights on an EQ8R if you need lighter uh, counterweights than just our 22 pound counterweight. So that's an option if you need extra weights that aren't as heavy, the Los Mondi weights do a very nice job. You can go talk to Scott and Tanya and them over there. Um, we do offer our four amp AC to DC power adapter. Uh, this works very well if you wanna run it you know, at home or in the observatory or you know, off of AC, that's the way to do it. Um, that would be my recommended set of accessories. And then if you want to do Wi-Fi, we do have our SynScan Wi-Fi adapter. It replaces the hand controller, and then you can run it with your phone or um, wirelessly off of a tablet or laptop uh, running our SynScan Pro app. So that would be the way to go. Um, if you want to do Wi-Fi connection is the SynScan Wi-Fi adapter. Now, because the EQ8 is such a big mount, we have to offer it in a more logical way so we obviously sell two versions of these we have the eq8r and then we have the rh both of these can be uh, obtained with the pure tripod or you can get them as the mount head only every single configuration uh comes i'm oh, sorry comes with hand controller uh controller cable counterweight bar and two 20 pound counterweights um, you can probably get up to five counterweights on the bar for really big. We've had four on them, but you could probably squeeze one more in there if you had to go all the way. Um, and then the tripod, if you get the one that has the pure tripod, comes with the, I forgot to put these in here, but they come with these vibration suppression le fine adjustment leveler pads. Um, you get three of these, one's for each foot. It helps level it. Um, these thread down and then they have this locking ring uh, right there um, these are about 
four and a half inch in diameter. They've got a big rubber grip under there. Um, these are substantial. Uh, this little thing right here, it's it's all metal. It must weigh at least three, almost four pounds for one of these. And you get three of them in there. We've had people ask to sell these on their own for like EQ6s and stuff as, you know, a very substantial anti-vibration pad. Um, you know, maybe one day we'll look into that. But right now um, you can get these when you buy the EQ8 with the pure tripod, they come in the tripod box. So there are three of them in there and your mount's not going anywhere. So those are the configurations. Now you may want to check with your, obviously this is, we're Skywatcher here in North America. I can't say globally what other divisions might offer in configurations. So you may have to check with them. Um, so do check with your local dealers to see what kind of configurations and pricing and all that stuff. But you can talk to your local dealer about that. Now, helpful tips on this. So this is a big mount. Uh, if you're getting one of these, I would definitely do your research on it. Give us a call, maybe ask around about them. Um, this is a big step up from an EQ6. So if you're a field imager and you're going out for like a night, you can do it. It's it's not a huge deal, but I see so many people, they're like, oh, the EQ6 is so heavy. If you think the EQ6 is heavy, this thing is heavier. EQ6s are 44 pounds, 40 something pounds right there. Um, these are 50, 55, 56 pounds. We said it earlier. Um, so oh, you're talking almost, you know, 15 to 16, uh, about 10 pounds heavier than an EQ6, but they are a lot bigger mount. So please consider that before dumping a ton of money on it. Um, that this is a substantial investment. This is a big mount made to hold big things. Um, so it's not going to be, let's just go out in the field and throw it up on a whim. Although I do know some people who do it, um, but it's big. So keep that into consideration. Um, if you're building an observatory, these are fantastic mounts for that. That's kind of the original intention for the EQA is to be an observatory class mount. Um, it's made to hold big optical tubes, you know, our 12 inch Quattro, us three one fifties are rock solid on these things. Um, you know, you could put a plane wave 12 and a half. You could probably put a plane wave 14 on it and it would be a solid setup. Um, you know, all those, uh, Richie Cretions that are on the market. You know, I know I have a couple customers who have 16 inch Richie Cretions on these. So they hold some serious optical systems so but it, it's really designed for an observatory setup or or something that they uh, have available something that's not going to move that often uh, and I, as I've mentioned this repeatedly already they're designed for large telescopes so you're in the market you're looking for something big you need something big to put it on EQ8 uh, is there to support something like that so yeah, uh, I know there's some questions. That's pretty much it for this. We finished a little earlier. We chewed through that a lot faster than I thought. But if you like what you see here, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. You can email us if you have questions about the What's Up webcast at info at skywatcherusa.com. Um, 
next week we're going to be talking about live stacking for outreach uh we had several people request uh something about this so i'm going to talk about that that's a lot of what i do actually is live stacking uh for outreach right now um instead of being near people i could still go out to events and show them really cool things so we'll talk about the advantages of that that's next week so really looking to having you guys here and talking about that so definitely join us for that but now it is q a time so if you have any questions go ahead and throw them out there i know some people are actually um we got some stuff in here uh first question what about developing skywatcher cem or does ioptron have a patent i don't know what ioptron uh has for their cem series um it might be their patented design i'm sure they have a patent on it. i'd be surprised if they did but I don't know. Uh, it's that's kind of their thing at that point. So if you're interested in some kind of mount like that, you'd have to talk to Ioptron about that. Um, oh, there's a second part of that. Um, okay. So you guys are asking about the CQ350 mount that you've probably heard a little bit about. I can't tell you about it yet because it's not ready yet. Um, stay tuned. You can definitely know we're going to do an episode on that when that becomes available. Um, so we will get to that when I have something to tell you about it. Blowing through these questions faster than I thought. Um, since we have time right now and someone asked about this, I will bring this up. What is the mount head diameter? Is it the same as the EQ6? Uh, no, it's not the same as the EQ6. It's actually a lot bigger. Uh, let me just pull up the manual here and I will happily show you the measurements of the EQ8. Bear with me just a second. Um, if you ever want to go in, you can always go to Skywatcher USA's uh, support uh, section and check that out. Uh, let me get this opened up and find the page and I will bring up the uh, drawings here that shows um, all the different specifications for the EQ8 mount heads. And that way you can make the decision yourself. Uh, while that's doing that, there we go. Took a little bit. Go. I know I'm starting to buffer here a little bit. It's probably because it's downloading stuff. There we go. Um, so I'm just gonna sit here and let the computer kind of catch up since we're opening things. There is the specifications for the EQ8R heads. Um, everything's in millimeters. Yes, you have to use metric because the rest of the world uses metric. Um, you can convert. Um, but there's all the diameters and dimensions for that on the EQ8. This, again, is at the end of the Sky, um, EQ8R manual PDF, which is available on the Skywatcher support page. So uh, there you go. Uh, next one. Why is the polar mount not through the uh, center of the mount? Uh, the reason why there is no central polar scope is because there's no room for a central polar scope on this. This has through mount cabling. Um, it's got a larger shaft size in the center, so it's more rigid. There's just not room to put a polar scope. And you'll probably find that a large of the lot of the larger uh, equatorial mounts on the market don't have polar scopes. So we have the off-axis polar scope if you need it. The QHY Pole Master is... I would highly recommend it for a mount like this. Uh, makes it faster. So it's a great option for that. And uh, 
you know, there's a lot of other stuff that you can use nowadays that, you know, um, like SkyX has T-Point on it. There's a, there's a very, there's a lot of different ways to get polar aligned nowadays other than a polar scope. So a mount like this, we just don't have the room to do a polar scope through the middle of it. So that's why. Um, is Next question. Is a mount better on a pier or a tripod pier? Does it change the mount capacity or anything like that? Um, you know, if you're gonna, I would, if you're gonna put an observatory in, I would go right for a pier. It gives you the most solid rigid setup if it's going to be permanent. Um, the tripod portable pier while solid, um, if you know you're not going to move it around and you're building something permanent, I recommend the portable pier. Both of them will hold the mounts listed 110 capacities. That's what it's designed to do. Um, but for best rigidity, I would put this thing in an observatory and put it on a pier and be done with it. So that would be my recommendation for a mount like this. But of course, not all of us have the ability to have an observatory, myself included. Don't have one in the backyard. So I've got to lug it out, put it on the tripod. So, uh, but yeah, both of them, whether it's on a pier or the portable pier, it can still handle the heaviest loads that the mount can handle. Uh, I don't see any more questions unless you guys have a last you know, stitch effort um, putting something in and throw it in there. Other than that, uh, that's it for this week's episode. We kind of plowed through almost an hour. That was crazy. Uh, but thanks very much for spending your Friday with us. This is the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. If you have any further questions on any of our products, go ahead and email us at support at skywatcherusa.com or give us a call. If you have any questions on the Skywatcher What's Up webcast or ideas for future episodes, go ahead and email us at info at skywatcher.com. Happy to take a look at that as well. Other than that, if you guys don't have any more questions, that kind of wraps up this week's episode. Next week, we're talking about live stacking for outreach or just basic imaging, kind of fun stuff. And we're supposed to have Steve Bisk from Software Bisk at the end of the month. So we'll have you guys out on here. Thanks very much for spending your day with us. Have a safe weekend, and we will see you guys next Friday. Take care, everyone.